0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast with me, Phil ladies and Doctor Sidlow. Hello, Sydney.
1: Hello, Philip. How are you?
0: I'm okay, mate. I've just been doing the maths. Which oh yeah, is that's never dangerous. a good idea. Yeah. Uh, we're nearly, we're nearly a quarter of the way through the season, Sid. We've just had Match Day Nine.
1: Yes, that's good maths. Nine times two is 18, and 18 is half of the season.
0: There we go, you see. <laughs> very good. Um, so, yeah, we're nearly a quarter of the way through the season, and at the top of the table... Actually, it's
1: not oh. half the season, is it? Hang on a minute. Hang on, there's no, 30, it's a quarter it's the 38 season. games in the season, not 36. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Look yeah, at well, that. That's what I said. Right at the top, at the very top... But that's why I said nearly a quarter. Of yeah, whereas four, I was five, like, Yeah, it is, and it's called, No, it's it not because it's 38, not 36. That wasn't so much a, a failure to do maths as a failure to know how many weeks there are in a season. God,
0: <laughs> Sid, if you don't know how many weeks there are in a season by, the, by now, we're do in you know why? Because it feels like about 170 of them. It feels like it never stops, they just all yeah. roll into one. Yes,
1: Absolutely right.
0: Anyway, Real Sociedad after match day nine are top. Of the table, they're three points clear of Real Madrid and Sevilla and Atletico Madrid and Osasuna, who have all got 17 points. Although Real Madrid uh, and Sevilla and Atletico Madrid have played less games than Real Sociedad and Osasuna, but it's great to see some uh, other teams uh, towards the top of the table. Also, the mighty Rayo Vallecano, sixth uh, with 16 points, some and really properly
1: good th- as well. By the way,
0: properly I mean, good. We'll I get I, rea- I yeah.
1: realize, yeah, I realize it's a diversion very early on, but properly good. Yeah, let's get to them later.
0: We will. We'll get to them in just a second. Uh, here are the results then from from match day nine. We had two games on Saturday. Uh, the let's never ever ever talk about Levante nil, catafe nil ever again. It was
1: really really bad. But Do you know what a, the really cheap... bad thing about it was? What? The worst thing about this game wasn't that this game wasn't very good. It was as both managers seemed so thoroughly happy at how bad it was. <laughs>
0: To be fair, it was both managers, well, both teams' first clean sheet yeah. of the season. Um, two new managers, by the way, playing their first game against each other. That's only the second time that that's happened ever in the history of. I did La not Liga. know that.
1: That's a great stat. I, that I was like
0: literally it. the most interesting thing about the game. Uh, the Real Sociedad. <laughs> Beat Real Mallorca by a goal to nil. A goal scored in the 90th minute by youngster Julian Lobete to send them top of the table. They would have gotten top anyway, even if they'd drawn. Uh, But yeah, always nice to do it with a victory. They are flying, and you've written about them today. So um, we don't necessarily need to... uh, we, well, I was going to say, we don't need to dwell on them too much. We will talk about them, obviously, but I'm, I'm wary of the overlap because a lot of people who listen to this podcast will also read your magnificent articles. But yeah, we do need to talk about La Real. Then on Sunday, you saw the mighty Rayo Vallecano beat Elche by two goals to one at the Estadio de Vallecas. Rio have won all four of their home game so far this season. It's a, an extraordinary record. They've scored 12 goals. They've only conceded two. And they are absolutely flying, particularly at home. And they did it without Falcao as well, who was on the bench after being away with Colombia on international duty. And then Sevilla ground out a, a 1-0 win at Celta Vigo. Rafamir with the only goal of the game, his third of the season. But Sevilla won 11 times 1-0 last season. This their second 1-0 of the current campaign. You get the feeling that if they can grind out victories like this with some really really important players missing three of their first choice back four, Yusuf and was out as well, uh, if they can ground out results like this then they're going to be there or thereabouts when it comes to the title. Uh, Osasuda won their fourth consecutive away game this season they've got a 100% record on the road uh, they're supposed to be very strong at home and, and, and not so good away from home given that they've got one of the most intimidating and atmospheric stadiums in Spain but it hasn't proved to be the case but on the road they're flying they beat Villarreal by two goals to one and Villarreal were the last unbeaten side in La Liga that is no longer the case after their first defeat of the season then on Sunday night you managed to get from Vallecas to Barcelona uh, in the space of a few hours to to watch Barca beat Valencia by three goals to one in what was ultimately a hmm a relatively comfortable game. It's a it's a difficult one to actually read because I've heard so many varying different conclusions from this game. Barca were either pretty disappointing or actually pretty good. So I'll, I'll see where you're at uh, in just a moment on your uh, assessment. We've got two games on Monday night. Alaves Betis, Espanyol against Cadiz and we had two games postponed this weekend. We've got another Atletico and Real Madrid Athletic. Uh, over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP we released a, a new episode of TSFP Presents Messy Moments over the weekend. Talking about the iconic Messi photo from Barca's six-one comeback against PSG in 2017. Patrons get two episodes of TSFP presents per month. That's our series where we look at the history and culture of Spanish football. They also get weekly bonus podcast and Q and A podcast and near daily paper reviews. Join us. It's four euros twenty-five a month, which right now is five US dollars fifty cents. Let's start with the talking points. Of the two games that you were at yesterday, we'll begin at the camp now where Barcelona beat Valencia by three goals to one. and Fati scored on his first start for nearly a year. He also won a penalty. He's basically picked up where he left off last season. It's difficult not to get carried away. We mustn't. He's a teenager. He's been out for a year, but it's difficult not to get carried away when he comes back with a bang like this.
1: Yeah, and when he plays in this way, it's not just the goal. It's not even just the fact that he won the penalty. And, you know, we can debate whether he won the penalty or not or whether it should have Please, been Please, we're not going to exactly, do exactly. exactly. No, I was just going to leave I it just, there. I, I, just, I, I was just, just going to leave it there so that people could... Let me
0: just could, put an asterisk. asterisk. I th- I'm, I'm aware of the fact debate. that, that yeah. we don't talk about penalties and refereeing that much on this podcast. And I've realised it's as a reaction to how much it gets talked about yeah, in absolutely. the Spanish media. So I hear about it so much... It's so over the top that on our podcast I'm like right well just, just exactly. leave it forget yeah. about it let's focus about the football so I, yeah there was a penalty there was some controversy but let's, we're not going to dwell on it
1: I quite liked something uh, talking to Carlos Soler after the game and Carlos Soler said at half time Ansu told me it wasn't a penalty um, so, and I said to him we didn't tell the referee that and <laughs> I really like this from Carlos Soler he said, he said I wouldn't have done either I don't blame him you know it's not hmm. his job to tell the referee which I thought was quite nice anyway that's by the bye um the The performance from Ansu um, may be slightly exaggerated in my eyes because I had him just in front of me because I was behind the goal, very low down um, you know basically where the advertising boards are, and obviously at that point, the game looks quick anyway, it looks slightly chaotic anyway, but when you see a player like that up close and you see how easily he seems to be able to turn away from people, you see how quickly he moves, how well he takes the ball with him how every time he picks the ball up, opponents are sort of backing off already. They're almost kind of preparing themselves for the fact that they're about to get turned. And, and I think that's one of the things that he does is the change of pace or the turn away from people that he does so well. And in the goal, for example, I hadn't fully appreciated until I saw it last night on the on the television, how far out he was. Um, so mm. from, from where I saw it, which was actually the corner of the net where the ball went in, it looked like the obvious place to put it. <laughs> it looked like it all happened very quickly, but you could see it. That's it there. And and then watching it on television, you think, wow, well, it's remarkable that when he's that far out that he sees that that's it there that quickly. You know, there's no doubt. There's no no problem with it at all. The other thing I thought was interesting in, in that goal, or one of the things I thought was interesting in that goal, is that we are asking, well, we're not asking, but people are asking or are allowing themselves to believe. Um, they're asking Ansu Fati to be a kind of Leo Messi. Uh, you know, someone who carries the weight of the game, someone who goes at people, someone who plays off people, someone who makes others better players as well. And I thought in this goal that we saw Memphis Depay be Luis Suarez. The yeah. amount of times that Messi used Suarez basically as the person to get the ball back off, you know, give it to him in such a way that the only thing Suarez can do is give it back. Now, in this goal, I think Memphis can do a little bit more than just give it back and he, and, you know, he, he slows a little bit before he drops it off. But there was a real clarity, I thought which was sort of messy esque and I can't believe I've just done it because I've done the terrible thing now of putting answer in that category, which is not my intention, but I just mean in terms of the way this goal unfolded, which was to give a pass in a way that almost obliges the, fin- the, the, the receiver of that pass to return it to you in a particular way. And so it's like it was like Ansu made his pass, but also made Depay's pass for him. And I'm, I'm reminded a little bit. I mean, it's not the same and it's, it's not as good. I'm not going to pretend it's as good. But I'm reminded a bit of that Leo Messi goal at the Metropolitano in the last minute. When he runs up yep. the right, he comes inside and, and he gives it to Suarez. And it's basically, look, mate, you're only there for it to bounce off you. Mm. <laughs> give it Give it straight back. And it was like that. And it was really striking the not just the speed and the quality and the technical ability, but sort of the awareness, if you like, of the way that the space... Not just the way the space had opened up, but I think more importantly, the way the space would open up. So he Mm. plays that pass in a way that says, if you put it there, Mm. I'll put it over there. And (laughs) I I thought it was brilliant. And I I thought his his first half performance on the left-hand side was really, really good.
0: It's a goal... I mean, it's... You're reluctant to draw comparisons with Messi, obviously, but it is a goal that we've seen yes, it scored yeah. many, many times just on the other side of the pitch. It's exactly. like the, the mirror image, the inverted image of that goal, but we've seen it scored many times by Messi on the other side.
1: That's exactly it. Now, obviously, hmm. what that does by changing sides is it imposes a, a new structure on Barcelona because, of course, and actually, this isn't to say it didn't happen last night because it absolutely did happen, but if you have a player coming in off the left wing it used to be that Messi came from the other side and so he was on the receiving end of Alba's crosses. Now, Ansu, because of where he is, probably can't be on the receiving end of Alba's crosses anymore. No. That said, as I say, the reason why I say it did happen last night, Alba was still going beyond him. So Alba mm. was still the one giving... What do you call this in, in English? Profundidath. Um, he was a person getting beyond the defence. He was yeah. the only one really getting beyond the defence and then having the chance to pull the ball back. Although I thought Serginho Des played pretty well as a right winger rather than a right back. And, and obviously with Ansu, that means that some of those mechanics will have to change. That said, for years, we watched Messi play with Alves. Then Messi mm. changed and started playing with, with, with Alba. So, it doesn't, so the, you know, the, the shift can come. And, and I think when you see Ansu like that, I think the other thing that, that happens is everybody else kind of improves around him. And I don't know if it's necessarily because of how he plays, although obviously there's a lot of that in it. I think it's almost an emotional state. It's a state of optimism. It's that the, the Ansu, by, just by being on the pitch, everybody else kind of feels, I don't know, more enthusiastic, I suppose, for want of a better phrase. More dynamic, more like, wow, this can be all right, can't it? It's It's, right. it's remarkable the impact he has on people.
0: Let's continue that optimism. Pre-match, Ronald Koeman has changed his uh, tune a little bit and is now saying, yes, we can win the league, when previously he was suggesting (laughs) that top four would be decent. But obviously someone's had a word, said, you you can't say that, Ronnie. Ronnie, don't say that. We can win the league. And now he's saying we can win the league. With Ansu back, with Sergio Aguero coming into the fold, we'll talk about him in, in just a moment, and Memphis Depay, that front three, Sounds pretty tasty if it, if it is a front three. There are reasons, I guess, to be optimistic as well. With Gavi, with, with Pedri, mm-hmm. with Ronald Araujo. I mean, th- there is a, a future there. We're yeah. just wondering whether or not that future can also be a present.
1: I, I, I don't want to repeat myself... And I also don't want to repeat myself saying, we talked about this before. And I'm aware that I quite often say that. One of the reasons why I say that is because I don't want people to say, well, I want people to know. We're aware that I'm sorry if this feels like I'm picking up on something we've mentioned previously. And I'm also sorry if it sounds like I'm trying to say, huh, we're the smart asses who already saw this. But I'm just conscious of the fact that we have said this before. So... We've said before that Barcelona's starting 11 when everyone's fit is really, really quite good. Uh, And this is why at the start of the season, I was saying, well, I don't see why they shouldn't win the league. Um, I mean, Mm. there's lots of reasons why they shouldn't, because I don't know if there's enough strength and depth. I I don't know if they're quite as strong as some of the other teams. I said previously that I thought Madrid was stronger, if only because I just can't think of a team that has a player of the level of Modric or Benzema. Well, maybe Ansu's that player. Um, Again, though, that's asking a huge amount of him. I think technically Ansu is not as good as Benzema, for example, technically. I think he's got lots of other things. No. Um, but, but you know, you look at it as a, as a starting eleven and it, it is very strong. And, you know, you've just named there a, a front three, which sounds quite good, but I personally think you're likely to end up adding Dembele into that. And if you can mm. get Dembele fit, and that's a very big if, we know that, then you've got a player who's different, who goes beyond people, who's two-footed, who makes things happen, who I personally think still makes bloody awful decisions much too often. But does make things happen, um, and I think then you you know if you look at a back four that is Sergio Des, Gerald Piquet, Who I must admit I don't think's so in great form, but Sergio Des, De, Gerald P K. Ronald Adelho, and Jordi Alba, with a midfield of Gavi, Pedri, uh, Busquets, De Jong, a combination of any three from those four, this is a this is a good team. This is a, potentially a very good team if it can be managed right. If it motion it can be right. If physically they can be right then yeah, why why not compete for the league title? In fact, the, the argument wouldn't necessarily be why not compete for the league title as you haven't got any excuse not to regardless mm-hmm. of what Koeman has been saying. And here's the other thing with Koeman's comments. Koeman is now saying, ah, but now everyone's fit and they weren't before. Yeah, but before you were talking about a whole season's worth, you weren't just talking mm. about right now. You were saying, mm. oh, if the season, which is as we've already established, Phyllis, 36 games, oh no, 38 games, <laughs> however long the season is... <laughs> Cooman was kind of writing it off early I think the key to this of course is as you say someone has had a word
0: someone's definitely had a word and he's changed his uh, tune and let's see how long that continues for it was the start of a really big week for Barcelona at home to Valencia, then a, literally a must-win game against Dynamo Kiev yes. in the Champions League uh, in midweek. And then the Clasico next weekend. Three defeats would have put them in a really, really difficult position. I would argue that the most important of those three games is against Dynamo Kiev. Because Definitely. as we said, don't win that and you are staring elimination from the Champions League at the group stages uh, in the face. Which is a disaster for all sorts of reasons, not least uh, economic anyway they came through the game against valencia let's see what they do against dinamo kiev back to the game last night and the apparition of sergio aguero who came on for the last few minutes uh, of the game we spoke about ansu getting people excited people were really excited yeah. to aguero
1: I was surprised by that, I must admit. Now, I'm yeah. not surprised. I don't mean that to sound dismissive because obviously... You yeah, know, but just remember, how
0: surprised the whole stadium yeah. was chanting kun, 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 And then during the game, yeah. they were chanting Kun, Kun when other players had the ball to pass it, give it to
1: Kun. We want to see yeah. him score. Now, obviously, in part, that's wishful thinking. In part, it's, it's, it's the sort of blind optimism of, of the fan that... that thinks everything's dark and is clinging to something. you know, some, some glimmer of hope, albeit we've already mentioned that Ansu is very definitely a glimmer of hope already. And Gavi is as well, and Pedri certainly is, and one or two others. And I thought, for example, Serginho Des played very well in this game. Uh, but I was struck by that. Um, look, we know he's a great player, or has been a great player. I've asked colleagues in England about him, and to be honest, not so, not so much now as when Barcelona signed him. And to be honest, most of them said to me, he's just not that player anymore. Now, maybe if you get him fully fit, he can be that player for a year or so. Maybe if you get continuity with him, certainly he said all the right things. Um, he, he was actually pretty chirpy post-game yesterday in, in, in the post-match interviews and stuff. And he, he seemed to be sort of enjoying, enjoying the moment, which I think is quite important because there was, I think, when Messi went, a, a, a real sense that, oof, this whole thing, this whole plan has fallen apart. And, and I was very struck by how, how much they were behind him last night. I don't know how much of a role he plays. Because if you look at the players who are fit, let's ignore Dembele because obviously he's not fit at the moment. If you've got Depay and Ansu, where does Kuhn play? Because he's not naturally going to be the guy coming in off the right, is he? That's not really where he's going to be most happy. So maybe you say, well, do you move Depay out to the right? But Depay doesn't really want to do that, I don't think. Or at least Mm. that's that's the, the conclusion I draw, watched based on watching the way that he plays, not based on having asked him. I, don't, I have no idea if he might quite fancy that. But it doesn't feel like the role that he would necessarily embrace.
0: Mm. Well, his role is probably to be, as they say in Spanish, a uh, revolcivo, an impact player off the bench, I would have thought. Yes. I'm not sure his his role is going to be in the starting eleven. 11- too many times it, it might be. We'll see how fit he is. But it was noticeable to see just how happy everybody was uh, to see him in the camp. Now, uh, let's talk about Valencia before we move on to to, to the other matches. Now, w- w- I said at the start that it was a bit of a difficult one to get a read on, on this Barcelona mm. performance. Because at times they looked they look pretty good. But then at times Valencia created some dangerous, dangerous openings. And they, they really weren't far off getting something out of this game, Valencia.
1: No, they weren't. Uh, you've got... Carlos Soler hitting the post. You've got that Terstegen Stegen save where he reaches his hand down and it hits his wrist mm. and flies up in the air, which tells you, by the way, something about how strong is, his his wrists are. And just Ter Stegen's really quite striking as a goalkeeper like that. You also had that chance where where Soler did an extraordinary piece of control on the right wing, stopped the ball going out high, comes inside, gets almost all the way to the to the post itself and tries to pull it back and, and it just gets cut out, I think, by PK. Um, you have the fact that they scored early on. You've got a couple of approaches from from Gedish, um putting the ball just past the the the, the seconds left hand post. There there were moments where you thought there's something there for Valencia, and, and, and certainly post game Gaia on the television interview in Spain was talking about, you know, we created as many chances as them, we competed with them, we were as good as them, but but they took their chances and we didn't. And of course he was complaining about the penalty as well, but but just kind of more broadly, he felt they'd created as much. What I thought was quite interesting was then the players who spoke um, after that, so that's the immediate post-match interview pitch side, the players mm-hmm. who then spoke after that, in other words, those players who maybe had a chance to speak to the manager, maybe the manager's addressed the team in the dressing room before they come and speak, um, were much, much more critical of Valencia. The Valencia players, that is. Jasper mm. Sillessen was incredibly critical. Basically said, this isn't good enough. We can't go on like this. We didn't compete. We didn't get to the second balls. We, we weren't aggressive. We weren't any of the things that we've been all season. Soler offered a much more nuanced um, analysis of it than that. But he too did say, well, there are a couple of times we didn't press the right way. You know, we didn't all follow each other. We didn't. We didn't put our foot in the way that we should have done. We allowed them to win a couple of, a couple of loose balls which we shouldn't have done and that was very much what Border Lass is about. And so, I, I agree with you that this was a game that I find it quite difficult to analyse as well mm-hmm. because at the end of it I thought, well, Barcelona were pretty good mm. but I wasn't 100% convinced it was always in control. And in the yeah. second half, I just wondered if it sort of slipped from them a bit and the the, the 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 speed of the circulation of the ball wasn't as good as it had been in the first half. Again, though, I'm conscious that that might be my view of it because in the second half, I had them at the other end. And so sort of by definition, it looks slower.
0: Yeah, it does impact on your reading of the game when most of the action's been taken on the other side of the pitch yeah um, all right let, let, let's move on because we do have to get to the the big talking point of the weekend and that's Rayo beating Elche 2-1 to um, <laughs> secure a fourth consecutive home win as we said they're up to sixth in the European places and they did it without Falcao who as we said was was on the bench is this the first time you have seen Rayo live this season
1: no, no. I've seen the, it's the third time I think I've seen the third this time, season. right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And I was there. I was time, there for Falcao's goal, albeit I wasn't were. actually there for his goal.
0: For his goal, you were there for his <laughs> debut. Um, every single time, you, you you have fun watching this Ryo side. They yeah, are absolutely. a really, really attacking, enjoy uh, joyful team, and they've got some good
1: players there. They have, uh, and they were uh, the weekend in particular. I mean, we've talked before about about Issy, who's actually on the right hand side. This weekend, almost everything they did was on the left. Um, so it was Fran Garcia and Alvaro on the left-hand yeah. side just, just cutting through Elche consistently. Three or four times the ball put put back across the face of the six-yard box and you're thinking, if only they had a Colombian guy named after a big cat there to finish these chances off for him because they, they weren't taking a lot of chances that they made. Um, mm. They use the ball well throughout the pitch. Oscar Trejo is a very nice player. Issy is very talented. As I say, those two were, were really, really dynamic. Um, they, they, were, they were pretty good through the middle of the pitch. But more than anything else, they're a team that gets the ball into wide positions really quite quickly and then mm-hmm. always has a fullback overlapping the, the mid, wide midfielder. Always, or almost always. So you get the first goal, for example, is correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't seen it on a replay, is across from one fullback and a header from the other. Yes. Yes. And yes, that, Mario Hernandez, the right back yeah, on his debut. On his heading debut. Home. Heading yeah. home heading home across from, from Frank Garcia. I think that's right anyway. Yeah. And and you you sort of see that and it's a bit simplistic this, but that's that serves a really nice function for us. That serves as a if you like, a definition of how this team plays. The goal they get is two full backs. Mm. Right up the other end of the pitch. And they're a lot of fun to watch. They're they're not um they're not Rio. They're like the second Ra-
0: top scorers in La Liga, by the yes. way. Only Real Madrid have scored more goals. Granted, they've played a game more than a lot of teams, but still.
1: Yes, no, absolutely. And, and they're not the Rio that were fun to watch under Paco Jemez, where, where Paco's obsession was them having the ball. Yeah. Itala does want them to have the ball, but it's not yeah. about having the ball. It's about getting the ball forwards quickly. And that yes. makes it sound like long ball, which it absolutely isn't. It's much more planned It's wide ball. That. It's wide ball, exactly. It's wide it ball. Is, it's doubling yeah. up on the wings. There's, yeah. a, there's a touch of Osasuna about them, maybe. Yes. Although, yes. although they tend to not deliver their crosses as early as Osasuna. So Osasuna mm. will get into three-quarters positions and cross. Raya yeah. will get right to the byline before they do.
0: Mm. And
1: they will, they, you know, they will really try and get that full going beyond the, beyond the wide midfielder from around about the top of the penalty area. So in other words, he's receiving somewhere between the byline and the edge of the six-yard box and you know mm. so they're getting right into the area a lot of time and yeah they're just a lot of fun to watch they they made slightly harder work of this than they should have done in terms of the in, in terms of the, the fact that they only won 2-1 and that Randy scores what is it 15 minutes to go something like that um, and, and a, a really good goal out of not very much from the edge of the area and you think they probably should have killed the game way before that because mm. with the exception of Lucas Boyer really and truly Elche didn't have anything at all
0: Rio a 6th they're dreaming of a European campaign, obviously. Top 10 would be a monumental achievement. Avoiding relegation is the number one priority. And they're, mm. they're well on the way to doing that. They've got almost, almost halfway to doing it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. No, 16 points, you know. 40 points, you're safe. 38 points, you're To be honest,
1: safe. I, I, think, I think you may even be safe, yeah, with 36, yeah. 37 this season. Um, yeah. Depending on, on whether those teams at the bottom at the moment who've got hardly any recover enough. But um, mm. I, I suspect they probably won't. The the other thing is, you know, it it, it just it, it is. I know this is probably a bit cliched, but it is also about the fans. Mm. It is also about the noise they create. It is also about that sense of, of 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 kind of momentum that comes not just from the pitch, but from the fans as from the fans as well.
0: It's pretty special going to Vallecas to watch a game if you can go. Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. Uh, Rio beating Alche by two goals to one. Osasuna beating Villarreal by the same scoreline. You mentioned Osasuna's style. They are the team that puts the most number of crosses in, or plays the most number of crosses per game uh, in La Liga. You can see that. Do you know who the second most prolific crossing team is? It's Barcelona. Barcelona, okay.
1: Sid. It's Barcelona. Is it? It's that, Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, does uh, is that stat massively, massively um, slanted by the slightly bizarre game against Granada, where they, they delivered they delivered about about three, six months' worth of crosses in one <laughs> half.
0: Yeah, possibly. Possibly. <laughs> in terms of crosses per game, they're, 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 they're second. Uh, behind Osasuna, who who do get the ball into the box very, very quickly. They're also the side that has the um, highest number of, uh, or h- how can I explain this? They, sp- they spend the most number of time in terms of action zones in the opposition third, which tells right. you they're pushing high up the pitch, they're pressing, they're trying to win the ball back high up, and then they're attacking. So yeah. they're a very... Very direct, very vertical, as we say in Spanish. Mm. Side who who do get the ball into the box, looking a lot for Quique Garcia. Although this week the hero was Chimi Avila, who, who scored, and we've got the statistic here: 651 days after his last goal, he's had a a terrible, terrible time with with injuries. He's back. You've spoken to him recently, which is uh, which is great. And I mean, I'm not saying the two are linked, but <laughs> no, they,
1: know, they definitely are. <laughs> they, they,
0: they may well be, they may well be. Um, but he, he took the goal very nicely.
1: It was another
0: terrible mistake by Samandi defensively, who you remember, of course, scored the most spectacular own goal for Villarreal at the one the Metropolitano earlier on this season in injury time to, to throw away a 2 1 lead. Um, but Chimmy had to take it, we did, touched it away nicely, and Osasuna absolutely flying
1: they are flying and, and you're right it's it's interesting as well chimmy's position because you know chimmy was without doubt the what would you call him the sort of the iconic player of Osasuna the the guy that the, the real fan favorite the, the the best player in the team he it this is not speculation he would have gone to barcelona if he hadn't had that second knee injury that was there wow. that deal was ready um and it didn't happen. That's how good he is. Admittedly, it's true that Barcelona have signed some players in, in the last couple of years. that You might say, OK, you know, they're, they're, their sights are perhaps slightly lower than they once were. But we're still talking about a really good player. And I think what's interesting about him is that he was a player that suited them. He was this kind of, you know, I've talked to, uh, about him before like this. He's kind of a wrecking ball of a footballer, isn't he? he just kind of goes yes. and crashes into everybody all the time. And... And that really suited their style. And you'd have people alongside him who were good in the air. Obviously, they, they had... Uh, my mind's gone blank. The guy who went to Mallorca. Um, Budimir. Budimir, scoring a lot of goals. And signing of Kika Garcia is, is, is interesting because it sort of seemed to put, off the back of the injury, put Jimmy a little bit down the pecking order. Mm. And I can't remember which team it was. It might I mean, even They've still good.
0: got anti-Budimir,
1: sorry. Right sorry, down. yeah. They, 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 they can't... I can't, I can't remember who it was it might even have been Ida Ola, You know, was talking a couple of weeks ago about how when they have a player like Kika Garthier it forces you into your own area because they know they can, can deliver from three quarters so it goes right. in the box really really early and that doesn't really suit Jimmy quite as well Jimmy prefers right. the ball a little bit more central a little bit more over the top or, or him backing into people and bringing others, others into play and so they've got a little bit of perhaps restructuring to do to make all of this, uh, all of this fit together but, but I think the return of Chimi can, can, can only be a good thing. And, and you know, he's a, he's, he's a lunatic. And I think that's part of the sort of the enjoyment with him as well. And they're just a really, really well-drilled team. And it's so clear what they do, partly because the message from Adrasati is so clear. You know, this is, this is the way they have played. It's the way they played in the second division when they came up. It's the way they played as soon as they got up. And although there's this tweak, slight tweak now with, with, uh, with Kika Garcia... They're continuing to do basically what they always did. But as I say, a little bit earlier into the box.
0: Uh, Osasuna flying. They are fifth. Three points behind the leaders. Real Sociedad. We've got to talk about them briefly before we go. Obviously, Mm. fantastic to see them there. We've We've been talking about them. We've been praising them all season. Just a hint of caution. I think they were top at this point last season. Is, yeah. that, is that right, Sydney? And yeah. then, then obviously things came apart a little bit. It does feel like, though, this season things are different. This season they're more mature. This season they're handling matches better and winning games in previous years they wouldn't have. I'm not saying this is a title push, but top four, they've got to be thinking about it pretty seriously.
1: Yeah, uh, and I agree with you, it's different. I think if you look at their results, this isn't the same Real Sociedad team as it was last year. Um, it's not in terms of personnel although most of the time broadly it is but they've had a lot of injuries um, you look at their results and uh, 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 basically it's a whole load of 1-0's um, which is not really uh, I've got them written down here from earlier They so you've got 1-0 against uh, sorry 1-1 with Getafe 1-0 against Elche 0-0 nil nil with Sevilla 2-0 with Cadiff 1-0 against Rayo um, obviously there's a 3-2 against Granada as well so that's a sort of a bit of an outlier but since the opening day of the season they haven't been beaten it's uh, I think I'm right in saying four clean sheets in a row at home this is a team that defensively looks stronger, that is finding a way through when they're not always playing very well. because It's example, five clean sheets in a row at home. Five, right, OK. Yeah. So, for so the, the first w- time
0: since 1984, when Arconada so, was a
1: goalkeeper. Well, there you go. So, so, yeah. at, the, um, so at the weekend, um, you know, they're a little bit fortunate. They get a goal, which is a bit of a scrappy goal. It's a bit of a fluke. It takes a deflection. Manolo Reina, despite the flex- deflection, I still think makes a mess of it. And Lobete scores. Against Elche, they win 1-0 because of a slip. Um, and they're a bit fortunate, but they are keeping themselves in games. Uh, listening to Lopetegui at the weekend on Radio Marca, I think it was driving back from having done this game on a different radio. So I've just advertised the wrong radio station, anyway. That's not uh, he was saying. You know, I'm I'm delighted at this because this is what champions do. They win when they're not very good, and I don't entirely buy that argument because I actually think ultimately champions tend to be championships tend to be won by the team that is the best. Ultimately, not always. Um, And I do think there are one or two little doubts, but they're coming through these games. And and certainly that little extra something is definitely a step again. The other thing that I thought was interesting in those terms was Imanol said at the weekend that the changes he made, the substitutions he made when they were down to 10 men, because we shouldn't forget they were down to 10 men from just before half time, were mostly pretty attacking or mostly like for like. And he said, those are not substitutions I would have made three years ago. There's, you know, there's more of a belief in some of the players. And the other really big thing about this, of course, is that every week it seems like someone else is injured. Every week it seems like they take another player off poor old Xavi Alonso trying to run the B team and put him up in the first team. And every week those players perform. So this week it's Julian Lobetti. They've had four players make their debuts this year already. We're only nine weeks into the season. And that's just the four players we've played. There's been lots of players called up, put in the squad and not played. Four have made their debut. That's more than anyone else. In, in the First Division at the moment. Last year, a whole load of players were brought up as well. The team at the weekend, 16 players get on the pitch. In total, 10 of those have come through the youth system. There's a clarity of identity and a sort of a momentum about them. Uh, that And a sense of identity with, with the manager that's kind of, you know, been a youth team player, being a player, being a youth team coach, being a first team coach. It just feels like Yeah, they're they're, they're a really, really good team who are getting things right even when they're not playing quite as well as they had at times last year. And and even the year before when they were joyous to watch with Martin Odegaard in the middle of that midfield. Really, really lovely to watch. They're not that good to watch at the moment, but they're still a great team.
0: Yeah, there was a there was a touch of the Atletico Madrid's about them at the weekend. And yes, there was. To, <laughs> yeah, there managed was. To, managed to grind out that win uh, against uh, Mallorca. They've got European football to contend with this season. They've got a trip yeah. to Austria in midweek to take on Sturm Graz. Then Atletico Madrid at the weekend. And they're going to be without Mikel Arzabel for a while. Yes. He's an absolutely vital player with them. So let's see how they get on without him. For more on... Real Sociedad, I urge you to go and read Sydney's article uh, in The Guardian, which I believe has just been published. Certainly it's going to be published by the time yeah, it's, it's you lovely now, people yeah. are listening yeah. to this. So um, go and uh, go and, uh, go and read that for more on La Real. Uh, before we go, a quick word about the Segunda. Uh, sporting, unfortunately, are top after a 1-0 win over Alcorcon on Saturday. Almeria, a second, despite losing 1-0 to Abar, who are fourth on Friday. Las Palmas beat Tenerife Two one in the Canarian derby with a with an injury time winner, absolute scenes via the lead one two nil at Leganés, who were in the relegation zone, and Oviedo drew one one at, at Real Sociedad. B all you do is draw, Sydney. Draw, yeah, draw, draw, draw.
1: Well, funnily enough, I got an email from my dad. Um, hi dad, if you're listening. <laughs> And it just said, it just said, I've decided to, start. I draw. don't even know, what, no, I don't, I've decided, I don't even know what he's talking about, to be honest. So I'm going to tell you exactly what it says. So I'm going to bring it up now. Maybe I should reply to him rather than just talking to, to you about it. That's all um, right. I'm sure he's listening.
0: So this is the way of replying to him. We've
1: yeah. downloaded LS. I don't even know what LS is. Uh, so, so we've just wa- oh, score, is that right? So we've just watched Oviedo produce the most predictable result. Another draw. There you go. Yes
0: there you go I've just deciphered your dad's email for you live on the podcast <laughs> Live score is the way of watching the Segunda in well, the I did UK. not know that I see I didn't yes, know so that if you, if you right. download the Live Score app you can watch all the Segunda matches with uh, English commentary in the UK should you wish to do that uh, that's it for this week's edition of TSFP we are back tomorrow for our patrons with the Q&A podcast there's Champions League football for us to look forward to as well I'm, I'm off to the Wander Sydney tomorrow I'm really really oh, excited Oh, fantastic Got myself a ticket and uh, yeah, it wasn't cheap but I thought well, I thought I'd treat myself. I'm worth it. So You are worth to it, see, it, Philip. Off to see off to see Mo Salah, to be honest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and when see, was the last uh, time you were at the Wonder? Was it the European Cup final? <laughs>
0: No, 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 it was, it was my final game before lockdown, it was March 2020, I went and saw oh, wow. a really good game between uh, Atletico Madrid and Sevilla, which finished 2-2, oh, right, and then I did, did go, yeah. didn't go to a football match for a year and a half, so wow. uh, yeah, looking forward to, to that, and big games for Real Madrid and Barcelona as well, and for Villarreal, and for Sevilla, so lots of European football for us to look forward to, bonus podcast on th- Thursday as well, rounding all of that up. And looking ahead to this weekend's Classico as well. So uh, loads of content for the patrons. Uh, For everyone else who's not a patron, don't worry. We'll be back here next Monday, as always. Adios.
1: Cheerio.